0: Bound Welcome to Books and Beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta. And in this podcast, we uncover the stories behind some of the best written books of our time. And find out how these books reflect our lives and our society today. So tune in every Wednesday to enter a whole new world with a new author and a new idea. Yes,
1: and after three years and two million listens, we are back
0: with a power-packed season five. With hard-hitting questions and life-changing books. So let's dive in.
1: This episode is part of our branded series with Penguin Random House India. Hi everyone, we have two really talented female authors with us today. Um, the first one, I'm a very big fan of. I've known her for quite a long time and we actually just met online, that's Riya Mukherjee. Um, she's the author of The Girl Who Kept Falling in Love. And that's her latest book. It's about Kaya, who is smitten by this woman, Millie, and who is quite a vocal, woke woman, you know, who doesn't shy away from voicing her opinions against injustice in public. And she's, and Kaya is actually in love with A, uh, you know, who she meets in one of these protests, which was happening in the country where they fight for equal rights, right? And she takes us on a journey of her past loves, her current love, and it's actually set in the backdrop of really disturbing, uh, you know, extremist religious cleansing and we see Kaya navigate these protests, you know, analyze trends on social media, who's authentic, who's fake, uh, you know, how she just falls in love, she stays in love and most importantly what we see is A, slowly slipping away from her, right? But Kaya has worked too hard to let him go, so what will she do (laughs) to make him hers? Yeah. Uh, I love
0: that book. And the other guest today is Gargi Rawat, who's written the book called Tiger Season. And I really like this book because it's all about wildlife. It's all about love. We are taken inside a tiger century. Uh, So Gargi is known for environmental campaigns carried out by NDTV. She's been a journalist in NDTV. um, And she's known for campaigns like the Greenathon, Save Our Tigers, Protecting India's Coastline and more. And the book actually makes us look at tiger conservation from a very refreshing perspective. So the main protagonist is Sunena, who is a reporter at NNTV. And she keeps submitting ideas for campaigns for about the environment. But this is the first time that one of the campaigns, one of the first times that the campaign has been accepted because there is a Bollywood star who is in need of a new image. And he wants to align himself with tiger conservation. So they go to this tiger sanctuary and a lot of drama happens there from bees stinging the bodyguard uh, to a tiger named Zalim actually attacking one of the guards. And then what happens is she gets embroiled in these protests. So Naina has also worked too hard to let things go. So what will she do to make this no. a success? Let's find out. <laughs> Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So. What I think Michelle and I, we are discussing both the books and, uh, you know, the reason that we both, we, we wanted to pair you guys is that they're very strong female protagonists and both of the female protagonists have something that they care about very passionately. Uh, it's also interesting that both of the books are inspired by real life incidents. So, uh, for example, in Tiger's season, uh, there was an incident where in 2015, there was a very popular tiger. He was removed from Ranthambore because he had killed a forest guard, and it became very controversial because after the tiger was shifted to the zoo, there was a Save Ustad. Because Ustad is the name of the tiger, there there was a Save Ustad movement taking taking off online, right? But it's more nuanced than that. And you know, in in your book as well, there is a tiger who attacks a guard, and we see sort of you know both sides of the picture. Uh, the pros and the cons of moving him, and then Ria. Of course, you know your book is centered so much about uh, on the recent protests in the country, especially the one in Bilal Bag in Bangalore. So the question really is like, why this book now for both of you.
2: Well, I had been wanting to write for a while. Um, you know, I've had so many experiences as a journalist out uh, reporting on all these issues: environment, wildlife, and I've I've gotten to see it from a different perspective, like uh, for example, in the Ustad episode, yes, I, I love the fact that so many people were so passionate and, you know, they love this tiger and, and they just wanted to, they even came out onto the streets. They had candlelight vigils, uh, but I also felt without sounding patronizing anything, it was a little misdirected because you know these people come to the park once in a while they see this tiger and they love it and they take photos and they go away but then there's so much more that goes into it you know there's so much that the forest department has to do uh there's so much uh you know uh, involvement that is needed of local people the people who live around tiger parks villagers uh so I wanted to uh, capture all that of course there's a lot more that I've you know seen in, in during my career as a journalist and um so I wanted to, in, in this particular book, you know, bring out this aspect. And I had done a, a show on, on Ustad at the time, that T24, when it got shifted. And I spoke to all these tiger conservationists, some of the best in the business. Uh, there's Dr. Laskaran, balmik Thapar, uh, Anish Andheria. And all of them totally supported the moving out of the tiger. Dr. Laskaran to went a step forward and said, you should shoot the tiger because... There's no point in keeping a a wild tiger in a zoo. And you cannot also, you know, compromise on the safety of the forest department or the locals, because then you will lose the support of the local population for conservation. And the forest department as well will feel very demoralized that, you know, their safety is not a priority. And this is just one tiger. There are over 40 tigers, 50 tigers in Ranthambore. So you have to think of all of them because then the next time uh locals will not be so forgiving if it comes and kills their cattle they might poison it etc they feel you know the people don't care the tigers are allowed to you know uh, carry on and uh they can be killed or their uh, wildlife care, or their uh, livestock sorry can be killed so i wanted to you know bring out all these aspects in the book so people who uh you know love animals or love wildlife and tourism and even those who don't uh understand what it's firstly you know I described the whole safari experience I hope more people will be you know curious and want to go out for safaris and also those who do love tigers Mm -hmm. and wild animals and you know follow these issues understand that you it's as you said more nuanced and you have to see it from you know this other uh, point of view and and empathize with people as well because that's one issue that I find in a lot of uh, you know this Uh, wildlife love etc etc there's no empathy for the people and here i'm talking about poor people they're not people like us they're people who even if they lose a day's work it really matters if there's a you know man-eating tiger out there and they can't go to their work Uh, they lose one day's uh, income and that's a huge thing for them or even if uh, their goat is killed it's a huge deal so People just I wanted people to understand that and look at it from that perspective and at the same time appreciate the fact that India being, uh, you know, what we are, a developing nation, the fact that we could have, we've saved so much of our forest space and had these sanctuaries and reserves in which so many people work so hard to protect, you know, so just appreciation for that, despite, you know, the challenges we have being a poorer a country, a developing country, yes, people, you know, we need them, we need their development and upliftment and welfare. But at the same time, we managed to protect so much of our uh, green heritage. It's amazing.
3: Yeah, so I was like thinking about what like Gargi was saying in terms of, you know, how, you know, when there's these huge issues that come up, right, there's this big binary idea of what's right and what's wrong and what you need to be standing for and what you're not, you know, what you, know, what you kind of should shy away from. Um, but it always comes down to, and especially any kind of issue in a country like India is especially nuanced. And, you know, are we people-centered? Are we understanding what a community and a collective really does, uh, you know, politically or otherwise? So, I I mean, I I think this is something that we can examine and look at from so many different intersections. So, for me, when I was writing this book, I was, um, you know, documenting and invested in reading up other voices during the NRC anti TCA protests. I was a big part of the protests in Bangalore. I saw how people were working together to kind of create this uh, space where one of the only spaces and for a very limited time where you know, in, I mean, obviously from a Bangalore lens, where people from all kinds of uh, class and caste and religions were coming together even though it was a small minority but to interact in this one very Uh, decisive and morally clear way and I think that you know brought up so many ideas about um, what we consider you know love to be and how we define ourselves uh, and what we try what we try to expect you know when we fall in love so like it's a lot of that I think uh, in my experience is also what do we feel like the person who falls in love with us there's a certain image there's a certain Face or certain uh, part of you that m- might want to be recognised, um, you know, apart from the social conditioning of love. And uh, so I haven't. I, I think you know, for me, there's been uh, a very fierce, fierce and very decided stance of what I'm talking about in the book. But at the same time, I think I've opened it up to all the follies. And all the, you know, the, the human fallibilities, no matter what your politics are, no matter what your understanding of the world is, is that at the end of the day, we are all human. And because of that, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of ironic thing that comes up. I wrote this book during the pandemic. I think, Kargi, I read you also wrote this book during the pandemic. So it was a very interesting time to write this.
2: Yeah, though, you know, um, I I started it kind of the outline before the pandemic. And like, I even though I wrote it during that time, I like I like to tell everybody, it's not that it, we in the media weren't working. We were working throughout. In fact, it used to be the few people oh, yeah. who were driving out and stuff. So yes, uh, you know, uh, we were working. and uh, But at the same time, I suppose, couldn't go out and meet and, you know, had more time at home once you were home. So a certain yeah. amount of discipline is required. It was quite uh, something to, you know, change my type of writing, because for years being at NDTV over twenty years, we all we try to do is you know try to um, make things more concise for television. You know, my script might be five six minutes, and you've got to make it in under two minutes. The SOT—that's the you know the amount of yeah. time that whole uh, story has. And two minutes, so now suddenly when I'm writing, I have to like expand and write more extensively and more descriptive. It was quite interesting. We do write to visuals on television, but we really try to make it more concise. And of course, you have sound bites that cover a lot of it. So it was a very different experience to actually, uh, you know, write a novel and try and, uh, uh, you know, write more elaborately. Also, I didn't have an agent, so I just wrote it. And then I, you know, got in touch with Penguin and it Mm -hmm. happened, which was lucky for me. Uh, But uh, so, yeah, nobody to bounce things off of, which I I mean, just as a journalist and now be trying to write a novel, that was my very different experience that I had with it.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I'm so glad that these books came out now, you know, and when we say why now, see, I mean, regarding Ria's book, love has always been this, this conundrum, right? It's a universal a need and and for Gargi, especially the human and wildlife conflict has always existed, right? Since human and animals have been around, but I think the way you all have addressed it, especially in the book is very contemporary, right? Something that we can relate to today. And especially for me as a fiction writer, I love the way you took something real and, and transported it into a fictional world because... I think honestly, you know, with fiction, you can sort of make sense of uh, literally a real incident, which might not really make sense to us in the moment, right? Sometimes things are just bizarre. And only when we create a narrative that it makes more sense. Um, so, you know, I mean, now that we've heard uh, your own backgrounds, we know that, uh, you know, a lot of you is in it. There's the most, uh, you know, common question which goes around how much of you is in the book? So I want to ask you the opposite, you know, that is, how much of you is not in your protagonist, right? Because, Gargi, we do know that you've spearheaded many campaigns to save the tiger at NDTV and Ria you know, especially I, because I follow you a lot on social media, I know you're very passionate about a lot of causes, be it veganism, uh, you know, speaking up for minorities, you speak about this openly on social media, so I want to know what is it that's not you know, a, a part of your personality that's, that has made it to your character, so for Rhea, it will be
3: Kaya, for Gargi, it will be Sulena. That's a good flip flip on the question, but here, um, there's a lot of things that uh, that didn't make uh, make it to Kaya that that would have resonated with me in fact I fundamentally don't understand a few things she did in the book uh, in terms of her choices I think Kaya I think I brought a lot of my 20s kind of uh into a much more mature character uh, and I feel like that's something that probably made it but then I think Kaya is still looking for a lot of validation through every act or through everything that she's seeing and I think she is so desperate for certain validations that she um, she removes the moral clarity for herself at a time where I feel like you should be more regulated or at least I'm more regulated because I really hope somebody does not read that book and be like, did you do that? I'm like, no, I didn't. Do that. So so that's you know that's the biggest stretch over there is that she did a very calculative thing in the book and I'm not going to give it away just you know because that is kind of like a spoiler of the book. But she does a very calculated thing in the book and I don't think that I. Uh, that part for me was very hard to write fictionally because I was just like, uh, can a person do this though? But like, yes, anything, anything can happen. Seen worse. So, but that was a stretch because her lens and her worldview had come a lot from my own inspiration of my life. I am a US uh, citizen who chose to live in India, even though my parents lived there. My life, la- you know, so all of those, those the lens in which I viewed urban India and how, I was assimilated here is really really uh, very much like that so yeah those I would say
2: that would be the biggest part Mm -hmm. that's interesting Uh, for me I uh, you know I make Sunaina somebody who's a little averse to social media and she's not very comfortable or she gets Uh, you know very shy because she got trolled a few times so she's away she's had some you know boyfriend who broke because of that Mm. she got off Facebook so no that was I'm a lot more adept and comfortable with social media of course we do get trolled I mean that's a path of the course when you're you know uh, a journalist and you have certain views and uh, I did bring out this whole kind of uh, trolling Yes, what I was saying is that I'm more adept at social media than my character is. I I'm I guess more vivacious. I You know, the character has an elder sister who's more vivacious and she's more like, you know, the studious and uh, studious one. So, I mean, all that, I that's not me at all. But of course, there's some experiences in terms of, uh, you know, out in the field that I have used here and there. Uh, of course, I have worked with Bollywood on issues to do with environment. And um, very often we're like, why do you need an actor, you know, talking about such serious issues, be it uh, environment, be it uh, tigers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But I've always found it, again, it it's, it brings more people into the issue, you know, they come for Namita Bachchan, or they come for, uh, uh, you know, Priyanka Chopra, and then they, they stay and they learn about these issues. So that uh, in terms of my experience has been very interesting because we used to get asked this a lot that oh you're so much Bollywood and you even we even had performances and we had songs and all that being performed sometimes but uh, it, it's very it's very interesting and then you realize ah, uh, you know you feel a little like okay it's such a serious issue and you're you know you're getting all these Bollywood stars but in this country I mean that's what really attracts people so I've tried to bring that out in the book as well in a nice way and then of course trying to use the Bollywood star who's trying to be a little like they see DiCaprio and you know build up his image and stuff so all that I mean that has not happened but it's something uh, that uh, I I did use in the book so there were some experiences maybe I'd like to talk about like the bee incident which people will read actually did happen with us and uh, and and one time when we were you know just waiting under a tree so that was uh, interesting and you have to be very careful that nobody got stung especially on their face uh, so yeah
1: yeah and and i just want to add here for our listeners you know so bollywood it's not just it's not gargi's book oh. but in ria's book there's a lot of bollywood reference that's what i was gonna say I'll yeah, a yeah, agree. Agree.
3: there's, there's yeah. a lot of bollywood love in my book as well looking at how it's kind of conditioned us from you know from a certain age well so, so gargi was your uh was your star in the book uh inspired by anyone that you can say or no I'm just kidding.
2: No, not really. But the bee experience was with Manish Paul. I can uh, say that. (laughs) And suddenly these bees are around us and we're like, protect him and cover his face. He can't get stung and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, it was was also real. I think these answers are so interesting because um, I think both Michelle and me, we've been following both of you for quite a while. Your careers, you know, Ria. We've obviously we've spoken, we've interviewed you before, and we've read your previous book. So you know, you feel like oh, when you're reading a book, someone that you sort of know, someone that you're following, the first thing that you ask is how much of that person is is in the book, and it's very interesting how sort of there's that mix and match, there's those stretches of imagination, the things based on real life. Um, but speaking of social media, I really liked how both of you addressed social media in the book and uh in Gargi's book so basically the Bollywood star uh, you know is present and so Naina gets sort of papped with the Bollywood star the the protagonist gets papped with the Bollywood star and she Gargi said, you said she hates what she hates you know trolling or social media she doesn't want to handle it and then suddenly her sister's call, and she's a serious journalist and suddenly her sister's calling her up and saying Oh, I saw your photo ID, wow! This Bollywood star, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, uh, together? And you, you do show the nuances of that, you know, in, in yeah, sort I of a lighter the, way. The
2: funny thing was like a lot of it is like this Twitter stuff that's happening, and suddenly Twitter yeah. is only gone. Like by the time my book has come out, there's no Twitter. Right? I you know. I know. I
3: know. Then it was like I was just, like, oh, that. Oh, like, oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying for Bollywood stars, I've actually seen from the time we had like X and Insta and stuff and how they have have learned to use it. I mean, I remember going for this campaign with Milan Soman. He was running every day. It was from Ahmedabad. (laughs) uh, Bombay was for the Greenathon and he was like running a marathon every day and he didn't have Twitter at that time. And I remember setting up his Twitter account and now I feel so... See him doing so well on Twitter. <laughs> <'Cause>, like, <laughs> I caught him. I set this up, and you know, I remember wow. writing his bio saying India's first male supermodel and all. He's like, it's a bit much. I'll let me write it, and then yeah. he reads it and stuff. But yeah, it's it's, it's uh, you know, stars also know now how to use it and and how to use it for themselves and promote themselves. And then some who are a bit shy about the trolling, etc., then they just go off of it totally. That's also happened, mm. I think, not just in Bollywood but internationally. That you know, we've seen stars going off of it as well. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, this whole social media and uh,
0: managing all of that. Yeah, for sure. And even in uh, Ria's book, you know, there's this one incident where the protagonist mentions a social media influencer and this woman claims to be divorced and she's, you know, using social media and she's searching for a man who will accept this, like, uh, you know, very elaborate past that she has, uh, which, you know, is full of things that maybe non woke people uh, would not accept in society. And then it turns out that this woman wasn't divorced at all. It was all a sham, uh, and you were, i mean, she was just using social media yeah. to gain clout, you know. So I was actually very interested. What made both of you show, you know, these nuances of social media, and what did you want to sort of tell, uh, tell, you know, the readers or show to our readers about it? Yeah, I think for me, like you know, social media is such a such a
3: funny thing. So one thing is is that for the longest time, we're always saying that you know, social media is a bubble. Social media is. like you know a different reality and you know go out and touch grass and blah 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 which I which I completely sympathize with but I also think we're living in a time right now which you cannot dismiss social media as not being a part of a reality and a part of the influence on the world it also replicates and imitates many other social systems of being elite or being oppressed there's a lot of the same similar things that we do in actual human life Uh, that I feel is repeated on social media. And I mean, you're looking at like now in 2023, we're looking like literally at a genocide happening online. So it's like, you know, these are things, these are moments that um, I think make us realize that social media is something that is going to keep evolving and become uh, a very huge part of how we engage with our reality. Um, and for and for me, it becomes, um, it's amusing for me because I feel like it still gives you that space to be performative. It still gives you that space to start ideas uh, and be disingenuous to yourself even with those ideas to get a certain kind of following. And, you know, uh, and, and because of that, I think there's been some pretty strange people I've observed over the years. So like that woman who was the fake divorcee trying to do this, like that came out of my imagination, but I do. Like I feel like there's so many smaller like mini tricksters or frauds that just do these random things just to get, you know, or just to get their content in this thing. And I, I find it fascinating. Uh, I also think that that's what it happens in real life as well. Just, you know, it's just more fun to look at it from a social media point of view.
2: Right. So yes, I mean, I think social media these days, you can't not, uh, you can't ignore it. It's very much there, especially for like I just said, for journalists, for stars, etc. All of us. Uh, have learned how to use it. We've all developed a thick skin over time with the constant trolling that, you know, invariably happens if you express yourself very strongly about an issue. And uh, we've realized there is such a thing as, you know, paid trolls on all sides. Mm -hmm. You know, personalities, I feel also, if you go anywhere near them, you, you, you know, you find yourself suddenly being trolled very heavily so I, you know, all that experience has been there. I also, in my book, uh, try to talk about how women are especially vulnerable. Is uh, you know, when if you have an ex, etc., it gets a and and the, and and they want to trouble you. They can, and that gets a little embarrassing. And 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 uh, it's happened to a couple of friends of mine. Um, you know, also it's a tool, as, as Ria said, it's something that can be used in a very good way to put forward ideas, find like-minded people. You know campaign about certain things, create a buzz about certain things. I've seen how in the news initially, uh, you know, when Twitter first came around it's social media, then people are like, okay, whatever, it's not, you know, not such a big deal. You're just getting a little bit of kicks being on on it. But then uh, a lot of the news would start getting reported that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Like for example, there was, You know, one of these uh, politicians was going to the airport, and and for some reason, you know, they stopped all the traffic, and people were getting highly inconvenienced. Now, in another time, would have heard about it later, but in that time, in real time, we were hearing about it. Then people were really cursing and saying, you know, why does this have to happen? I'm going to miss my flight, and it, it, you know, it was Rahul Gandhi at that time, sort of like a time ago. Uh, This was back when the UPA was in power, and uh, it. It kind of just became like uh, this thing of questioning the authorities or the Madhya Pradesh, uh, uh, the sorry Maharashtra government or the Mumbai authorities rather that you know why would you do this and inconvenience people. These little little things and you know uh, campaigns. Um, uh, so a lot of the news and then so, so a lot of the news started following something that became very happening on on social media. If there was a big protest, you know, and people are like, why aren't you covering this? And then we would look into it. We'll ask our reporters. Oh, check this out. This is happening. That is happening. I think uh, during uh, you know the, these uh, protests all over the country, over the CA protests, anti-CA protests, even that time there was a lot that we got from social media or you know yeah. new to follow, knew this was happening. It's it's big. It's not small because you're seeing these pictures of you know huge protests. Of course, there's been learning as well, like, for example, when floods happen, then invariably there's this one crocodile picture of a crocodile in a neighborhood that just he's like sometimes in Amritsar, he's sometimes in Madhya Pradesh, sometimes in <laughs> Madhya this crocodile. So you also have to, you know, go through and see what is the fake news. And that is another thing that is huge these days. And, you know, people need to be better equipped to uh, kind of be able to sift out what is fake and what isn't and under, and understand just because you're getting it written in a very nice way or in a graphic form or some sort of creative, it doesn't mean it's true. That quote may not necessarily be true. So all that, uh, you know, I think uh, people have to be aware about. So even in the book, I try to show how, you know, something that is absolutely not there just is getting so much attention and so much talk and, uh, and, you know, it seems that, you know, one side is okay, happy with it because it's just like, you know, positive sort of attention and one side is not happy with it because it's like the yeah. internet never forgets. So it's going to be somewhere if somebody Googles you, it's going to be there. So, you know, these are the various aspects around social media that uh, one cannot ignore at, at all. And um, I think if we talk about, you know, real life and people, neg- you know, finding their negotiating life through being a journalist, activist, etc. then this is a big uh, aspect of that.
0: So one thing that, you know, I really loved about both of the books was the character, the female uh, protagonist. And the both protagonists, Kaya and Sonena, they're different people at the beginning of the books and they're different people at the end of the book. So Kaya starts out, you know, she is very passionate. She is, um, you know, she's going to all of these protests and she is in awe of Millie, who's her friend. And as time passes, you know, she falls in love with A and A at first is a little... Um, you know a little critical of Millie and then they get closer and then she realizes that oh, okay you know maybe this friendship is not the best situation for me and then she does the thing that you said Rhea that you couldn't understand yeah. which was uh, yeah. you know very very shocking mm-hmm. um and I love I also love the en- ending of the book but cannot reveal more because yeah. of spoilers yeah. uh it, it was great. And uh, Sonena, you know, uh, she, in Gargi's book, she is skeptical that she, when she founds, finds out that the a Bollywood star is going to be at the face of this campaign. And that he wants to do this because he wants to revive his reputation. And earlier, he was in a drug scandal. And then we see that, okay, you know, she gets to know him. She realizes that he's actually interested in the cause. He's read up about it. He's quite genuine. So she also has to go through this process. So both characters are not the same. So I wanted to know, you know, as the writers of these characters, you know, how did you change along with the characters? Did your view evolve along with the characters' evolution?
3: Yes and no.
0: (laughs) I I think, I think um, for me,
3: there was a bunch of things that I wasn't ready to say from the experiences life had given me. And I found a very easy ch- channel in Kaya to be able to say them uh, in that fictional world, because there are a lot of imprints in my head, a lot of, you know, th- you know, when you're growing up in your 20s and your 30s also, it's like a lot of things you're still not very confident about, but yet you're like, but this seems wrong, this seems off, this seems weird. And I was, you know, with Kaya allowed me to, to kind of just say those things um that i felt more sure of so in a way my own character kind of evolved me um through the story to be to just say it as it is or as it has been true to you um and that's yeah i think that's what Kaya did and and at the same time i wouldn't have made all the same choices Kaya did in this particular story but i still identify and have great empathy for what she's
2: trying to do um so uh, talking about character evolution and my own journey, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, I initially, as I said, when we were working with Bollywood, I was a little, you know, uh, judgy, let's say, and, you know, certain prejudice, oh, it's Bollywood, what do they say? This, that, But people did turn out to be very interesting and they surprised me. And uh, so I try to bring that out in the book as well. Uh, I, I was uh, once uh, faced with this situation. I remember it was... Uh, Uh, with Pranoy Roy and there was this lady and she wanted to start something about some sort of helpline near tiger parks and uh, we had this person in Delhi who was this very uh, this PR person and he was like oh we'll do this big event and we'll fly in the best musicians and we'll have the big concert and I I was looking at him aghast that what are you talking next to a tiger park you're not going to have some big you know and don't show off all this to me because it's just like so you know these kind of experiences did happen but uh the 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 stars and all have been, uh, you know, very interesting, you know, Dia Mirza has become a friend, because she's uh, genuinely very passionate about these issues. And that has been so nice to see. And uh, others as well. Uh, you know, even we worked with like Priyanka Chopra, and she was also very sharp about, you know, picking up, very aware. So that was also very, you know, lovely to see stars who are aware. Amitabh Bachchan is, I'm just amazed. He's, he's you know, he's 80 plus now, but He's so, he loves to be so professional going through his scripts and the way, you know, he'll talk and he'd want to know the issue. He's like, but is this correct? Does this happen? If I say this, will this be wrong? And so that uh, has been interesting. So I try to bring that out in my book as well, how initially, you know, the the cra- she's a little like, you know, judgy and prejudiced and and, and how, you know, it, along the way she see it opens up. I wish there was an actor like the one I described who's so interesting and so passionate as much as that.
1: But yeah. yeah, yeah, I was going to say that because, you know, the way you bring about Vikram Khanna's character, who's the fictional Bollywood actor, he's, he's very well read, you know, he knows what the kind of cause that he's fighting for and all of that, which actually impresses Sunaina, Um, you know, right. and honestly, what kept me going for both of your books is that there was a lot of action, right? There's a lot happening. Uh, these females are in the, you know, like they can say in the war zone right there, like it's like a do or die situation, right? So you know, it's for I'll give an example, right? So you know, it is like small moments, like for example, in the safari ride when they are waiting to even spot a tiger. Like I was waiting with bated breath, like when is the tiger going to show up? As yeah. if I'm inside a safari, right? And for Kaya, it's for example protesting in the field. There's so much of tension. It's you know, I got goosebumps when they they were chanting. Um, on the field right so I want to know you know from both of you can you please share an experience of being in the moment you know like being in real life for example Dargi have you been on a safari I want to know one memorable moment that you have sort of that, that sort of you know I would say got you closer to the work that you do um, and for you riya um, as well.
2: Right. So there have been so many experiences on safari. I remember when I first started reporting uh, and doing this wildlife show and, uh, you know, I, I was lucky that uh, Pranoy Roy decided to do and we started NDTV earlier. We were, were with Star News and then we separated in NDTV 24-7. We decided to have a, a, a wildlife program and it was India's first wildlife program. So it was myself and my dear friend Swati Tyagarajan, who, you know, it was, it was an all women team It would be both of us and usually a woman camera person who would go with us. And I remember going to Gir and at that time, it just happened that when we arrived, a leopard had fallen into a well. And, you know, so we went to see that and uh, the Forest Department was there. It was a very rudimentary sort of, you know, method. They would, because the Forest Department don't have all the equipment. They don't have all this fancy equipment that, you know, you need for all this. So somehow they put some, this leopard was chasing a goat or something. And the poor thing fell into this well and and around Gir, there are lots of villages. They put a rope in, and they somehow they got some sort of platform, and I think they tranquilized it, and then they pulled it out, and they and and there was I can't tell you the crowds that had just gathered around there, and it was very fascinating, and this was one of my first times, you know, reporting on wildlife, so to get to see this was very lucky. And since then, I keep seeing reports of similar sort of things happening all over the country, you know, where they're rescuing an animal that's fallen into a well, and they finally got the leopard out, and then they they put it in a cage, and I think they and then it. There was one for his guard who's a bit near so it managed to like claw him and you know he got like a a cut in, in his waist and um anyway it was taken to the to the to the vet and then it was treated and hopefully it was let go because that's another issue that you know it doesn't need to just be transferred to the zoo so that was uh, one of the you know just waiting for hours on end we were waiting it took them three four hours to finally pull this out so it was quite an experience the uh, one that i enjoyed
0: and now I'm also curious. So, what got you interested in sort of wildlife, or any experiences you had as a child, or growing up? No, I, I got into
2: media actually because I I wanted to uh, do something on wildlife. So that 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 for me, I suppose it's something I managed to do. I I studied economics. I was at Saint Stephen's. My whole my class was all taking the cat and going off for management school and all. And I remember thinking in my third year, I was like, "This is going to be so boring to do an MBA." And Work in a corporate life, and and uh, I was in a boarding school, and you know we had teacher, we had like nature class we did a lot of trekking, and so I had a lot of those experiences. So I've always been interested in animals, and uh, you know, and then of course as you grow older, you know conservation and what goes into it. Uh, so I guess I got to do what I wanted to do at NDTV, and um, you know, actually go out as this women team and uh, cover. You know, we went to all kinds of places all over the country, been to Sundarbans. I remember. Been thrice, in fact, to the Sundarbans, yeah. never seen a tiger there. But once we were on an island and our camera person, Mandakani, she got stuck in the mud and, you know, she was knee deep in mud and we had to try, try to yank her out. And yeah. just the forest guard was like, oh, they came a tiger on the tiger. And we're like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> At this moment, we, while we were looking for tigers, it wasn't the moment we wanted to know that a tiger was nearby but we're trying <laughs> to Mandakini in this mud so we had so much uh, you know fun and interesting experiences uh, yeah. covering going to various parts of the country that's so
1: cool and and there's there's a uh, there's an incident in the book where you mention a tiger uh, sort of peeing around the the tree to sort of mark their territory so that no one else will... it's it's like these small bits of you know uh, animal behavior i right? think it was like watching nature for me so very curious to know what was your first experience what about you ria first experience with
3: Tigers?
0: No. <laughs> but yeah, have you had any?
3: <laughs> <in body life. laughs> I would like to have an experience. I have not had an experience with the tiger yet. On the list, on the list. Uh no, so my experience um, well if you're talking about just generally uh, you know, what what was happening in the last few years before the pandemic, um, I was I witnessed a lot of amazing things happen during the Bilal Bag protest, which was kind of like the Shaheen Bagh uh, version that happened in Delhi. What happened in Bangalore and it was a sustained protest where all women, Muslim women from lower economic uh, backgrounds and their children and a lot of queer community, a lot of just general, uh, you know, great secular citizens, sitting there day in and out, chanting, singing songs. It turned out to be a creche daycare center as well because there was babies, kids, so they were doing arts and activities and crafts with them. And the evenings, there were people coming and singing songs. But, and then, you know, there were these huge uh, rallies that something, you know, kind of really scary happened once because this was one of the biggest ones that happened Um, I want to say in 2019 um, where there were like 6,000 people kind of started to walk from this place in Shivaji Nagar and we went there and I went with my friends and I completely got lost. I lost my friends and I was just walking in a wave of uh, people uh, that I didn't know and it was mostly people from that area of Shivaji Nagar and they were so gracious and so so accommodating to see that there was two women who are just, and we look like the city, you know, the urban privileged city girls who come to this process. Here. So they have taken that notion and they're like, okay, we're going to help you. And then there was a guy who went and he was just like making space for us so that we felt comfortable. And I'm like, no, but we are here to give you solidarity. But the amount of work that they were giving to say that, here, let them walk, let them walk. Because this is like a, you know, one step to the left, it's a stampede type of situation. So it was, it was just really heartening. And then they, they reunited us with our friends after a while. Um, and that protest was like a huge, beautiful success. Um, and then, you know, right now we're in this position where uh, after, you know, the, the anti-CAA protest kind of went down because of the pandemic. And the pandemic loosened all of those, uh, you know, it made it impossible. Um, and now we are here in 2023, where they have banned protesting of any kind right now in Bangalore, no public gatherings, no public, this thing. So you, if you do any small thing, they're calling it civil disobedience. Um, so, I mean, it, it's in the span of three, four years, It's it can show you how, just general solidarity is such a threat
2: to... Right, I, mean, uh, I remember covering Shaheen Bagh here in Delhi and it was quite incredible and so many students coming and showing yeah. various personalities and, you know, speaking and and it got so much, uh, you know, a lot of people try to, you know, take away from it by saying it's just a paid protest. These women are getting to eat. That's why they come. So a lot of that, So you saw, you know, all sides oh, of it. So all
3: that stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I have to say that, I mean, they haven't brought CA back so far. So let's see what but happens. But they haven't. That's yeah. what I think. It they, was a good distraction,
3: And and I think it did have an impact because they realized they couldn't just slip it under. There was going to be a, there
0: was going to be Tamasha for about it. And rightly so. Uh, but yeah, who knows? And what I really liked about your book, Rhea, is that, you know, uh, you played out the scenario, kind of the worst case scenario. Uh, yeah. uh, and it sort of like, had a, it, it also had a dystopic element to it. Um, so I found that very interesting because it was very multi-layered you know you had this love story you had this personal struggle of this character you had the bigger picture of what was going on in the country and then uh, you know the repercussions of that which you know the re- the readers can find out um, but I also wanted to know uh, you know because the character is quite vocal uh, in the book so were you ever sort of afraid of any backlash or did the publisher have to go through any sort of reads or cut cut certain things out or were there any edits that you had to make?
3: Uh, no, I told my agent that hey, this one's going to be a little bit of a, might be firecracker depending on the situation. So my agent was like, I don't care, I like all that stuff. But then the publisher, Penguin, I think like, you know, Mansi, who did who also edited my last book she's like, I wouldn't worry too much because who really gives that much importance to fiction <laughs> so like they'd have to really like re- you know you'd have to get into the wrong hands and then get people like really upset about certain things uh, and it's a possibility it's a it's definitely a possibility but nothing was cut nothing okay, was I
2: think I've wondered it. about that you know do what yeah. do our publishers a little more wary now about you know the kind of things and the kind of messaging that you put out in your book etc or or even yeah. mine was a very small part about, you know, mm-hmm. the rewriting history, a small aspect, but yes, it's interesting to yes. know, but perhaps under fiction, it's just all right. And uh, <laughs> they let I it. I think go. under
3: fiction, I think two things, right? One is like under fiction, you're, a lot of people are not threatened as long as it, you can't seem to get a mass uprising, mass uprising, because of it, just because of the limited nature of English literary fiction, right? In In, in India specifically. But um, if an idea takes off, or you know, people start to really recognize it in different, you know, and start talking about it in different languages, that's where you know you get the the people who are looking to make trouble come and you know, you say like
2: you sell late, this for. The- of late, we've seen a lot of uh, you know series getting a lot of uh, bad press, and you know, the second season that, the uh, sef Khan, that I think I don't think the second season is coming because. You because yeah, of the leader, I mean the people who head Amazon, etc. So nobody then wants to go there. So we've seen that happening. But yes, maybe it hasn't extended to uh, fiction just yet. And sometimes articles and blogs get controversial, and you know they get uh, talked about, trolled, etc. So, yeah. The last,
3: the last book that I remember in my contemporary writer era that got banned, and then obviously, first was uh, the the Adivasi will not dance by yeah. Hansda yeah so his book it got banned because it was vulgar and blah 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 uh, but then he was able to reinstate it and he got I mean he got troll, death threats all of that fun stuff um, but luckily it didn't turn into anything more um, but yeah I mean we are also living in a time where there's what five six years ago Gauri Lankesh and uh, so you just don't know what what it is but you have to for me as a writer, then it just becomes imperative though, like what, you know, what are you writing for? What are you compelled to write? Because once you're compelled to write about something, then uh, going halfway doesn't make sense to me. Yeah.
1: No, and, and the dystopia <laughs> element, Ria, reminded me of Lela by Pri- uh, Prayag Akbar. Um, You know, and and, yeah, yeah. and and what was interesting was because I just wanted to see the reaction of of a crowd that does not read uh, English literary fiction. So I remember discussing this with my colleague and I said, hey, you know, did you happen to watch it? He said, oh, yeah, I did. It was so scary. And I didn't, oh, and I knew, yeah, and I knew, but but sort of understood that he didn't actually get the point. You know what I mean? Like okay. the kind of yeah, layers, yeah. which is yeah, why yeah, I yeah. think um I think at the end of the day, you do end up telling a story through that. And yes, people who have the context who know about it will get the point. But otherwise, yes, it it is definitely it gets hidden. Um, so, which which brings me to our next question, especially Gargi, uh, you know, because you do, I think, address something which we don't often see in, in English literature, right? Because you, for example, mentioned that, yes, while we talk about wildlife, while we talk about how it's important to conserve them, you also talk about the human element of it, right? How it's important to see these people who are actually looking after these animals, right? Yeah. Which made me yeah. curious, uh, Gargi, you know... Um, I in fact wanted to see more of these people. You know, did you ever consider sort of showing us more of the people who were sort of uh, around the sanctuary? The you know, let's say more of the guards, more of the people who are running uh, running this place. You know, what was what is their day to day life like? Did you ever consider sort of
2: telling a story from that POV? Okay, uh, I did uh, somewhat cover. I mean, you know, have that about the forest guards, and you know, when they have an interaction. Uh, with them. But yes, uh, perhaps you're right. I could have, you know, again, um, I did think of it, but I wasn't sure if if readers would want to go so deep into all that. So that, I, again, uh, when I say that I didn't, I didn't have somebody to bounce off ideas as much as I would have liked to, that is one of the, you know, gaps, I think, uh, uh, because I, I, I read somebody, uh, somebody else's review, and they were also saying something that they would have liked more of that. Which is interesting for me because I wasn't sure if 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 it gets too preachy or it gets might not be as, as entertaining as because I want people to read it also and get that messaging. But if I go too deep into something that you know I feel very strongly about, but you know, so I didn't want people to uh, get uh, bored or something. But yes, that's interesting that you felt that you know you would have liked to perhaps see more of that, and uh, I could have because there's you know there's a lot that I've seen and covered during my time as a journalist, and it, it's always yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. to give people more of that understanding for sure yeah no no definitely i mean the the way the way the story
1: is we get a very good insight of of an insider like a, you know like a reporter who's who's been there in the field but i meant because you're you're sort of hooked and and the i really love the the message that you're that you're portraying which is i felt like you know we could see more of uh, these guards and, it's, and i have a very similar question to ria Um, Actually, you know, Ria, because your book is is very interesting. It talks about really topical matters, matters that need to be discussed uh, nowadays. Right. Uh, But do you think that uh, readers who will sort of go for, um, you know, Kaya's love story because she does become very obsessive. And I think I I mentioned in my chat that it reminded me of this old Bollywood movie where Urmila Matongar um, acted. I think it was Pyar Tune Kyaar. Yeah, like yes. yeah, yeah, it was this obsessive love, and and I yeah, just yeah, yeah. loved the way. Uh, I mean, of course, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Keeping in mind, it's in the nineties and all of that. Yeah. As it's but iconic. Cool.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Iconic. So, yeah.
1: That's, uh-huh. So, so what, what I'm, what I'm curious about is, let's say, you know, do you think, uh, like they say, you know, losing the trees for the forest? Do you think that people can get so caught up with with Kaya's love story that they will miss out on the on the larger uh, themes or the more important topical themes that you're sort of addressing in the book
3: I think that's a very optimistic uh, uh, look at the book because I, the way I am looking at it is I feel like I'm tricking a lot of readers because they're looking at the title saying The Girl Who Kept Falling in Love and thinking it's probably completely romance. And it's not. I mean, yes, it is, but it's also not. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think there's a way that somebody is going to be like, oh, I'm so caught up in the you know love story that I missed the whole other point because I think they both come to, I mean, I hope, they come together in a way where you can't dismiss the other. Um, But yeah, I mean, they might not be that invested in it, or maybe understand all the nuances of that or what I'm trying to communicate, but that's fine. But I don't think it's a possible to get into that book and say, oh wow, I, I just love Kaya's love story, devoid of all of the other stuff. Uh, I don't think it would make a good case because Kaya is verbose and she's, she goes off on tangents. Uh, you have to get like, there, there needs to be some connecting points there for the reader to enjoy her. Otherwise they'll be
0: like, yeah, next book, thanks. was boring. Yeah, and somewhere. why the yeah, yeah. I just I was very curious why the choice of title. I love the title, but uh, yeah, <laughs> has it actually tricked readers? <laughs> I think I don't know. I so this title came
3: up to me very quickly when I was started to write this book, and I didn't even know what it was going to be properly at you know at that time. But my agent was like, Oh my god, I love the title, it's amazing. But a title like this, you know, in, people just pick it up. But now I think that's become a problem because um, first of all, now the book just launched, and right now there's so many things going on in the uh, media right now that people aren't talking too much about books. But once this book, you know, starts to get read more and more reviews come up, I am going to be interested to see if people were really ticked off by the title and then you know what they expected in the book. Although, although to be fair, the summary does kind of tell you what it is.
0: And another question uh, actually for Ria is because you said in an interview that you're a dark writer playing with Mm -hmm. the idea of sustaining a gothic style in the Mm -hmm. Indian context, you know, so you said that mental illness, sexuality, abuse and loneliness are strongly present in your work. So can you tell us more about that? And how does this gothic style become part of your writing? Uh, I think because see, I've always been interested in these, in
3: what the, you know, Western literature calls gothic, which is, you know, these lonely families in these homes and, you know, dysregulated families and all the, let's talk about like all the weird dark shit that happens to people on very day-to-day basis, right? Like this really abusive teacher that that abuses a child for five years and nobody knows anything about it. That could be a very dark part of anybody's reality. Uh, So I've always been interested in how our everyday, um, has normalized so many parts of violence, uh, how it's normalized so much passivity, so much of uh, apathy for certain things, and then at the same time we're living in a time where we' are like feel your feelings and you know this generation's finally being able to cross off all the you know toxic generational things we've been taught that were to be you know normalized so I think it's a for me it's an interesting space to be a writer in because I think um a dark lens for me is just always how I've seen the world. But I'm super optimistic as a person, which is why people always like come up to me and say, you write the darkest shit, but you are in person so optimistic. And I'm like, yeah, I can't explain it. I love reading about, like my next book, like can I talk about my next book? It's I have this idea. You'll be the oh, only one yes, here. Please. But it's going to be like, all I can say is serial killer. Okay. So like, that's where we're going. <laughs> oh,
0: wow okay yeah but it's it's as dark as it
3: can get right (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so we're going there Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i've always enjoyed looking at uh how evil is also a collective construct i do believe personally that evil is a collective construct Mm -hmm. as is compassion as is goodness and i think we can just you know fracture that into so many kinds of stories that Mm -hmm. can hopefully resonate
1: yeah. No, to- totally, and and this especially this comment, Rhea, reminds me of the lottery, uh, by Shirley Jackson, which I teach uh, yeah. in classes. It really shows you how evil is is a collective construct. It's not an individualistic. Yeah. It's not like an individual. Very, yeah. very scary. So, Gargi, if you have not read it, I would urge you to read it only when you're in the right frame of mind. Right. It's, really, it's really scary. Yeah. So, like when yeah, I reached the fun. end of the story, I just, you know, I didn't expect it. And I was frozen for like 50 seconds. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it's very interesting to see how you mix uh goth and and with the today's world. Um, so Gargi, you know, especially with, with your book, what really fascinated me is that you managed to take facts. And your career in reporting, but you've made a story which is so accessible, which is so entertaining, which is what I really liked, right? So Tara and I often discuss that, you know, nonfiction can be written in in many ways, right? Either you present the facts as it is, you know, you can you can decide whether you want to tell a story. How do you want to tell the story? So I want to know, how did you sort of come up with this interesting mix of you know there's romance there's there's a little bit of drama there's a little bit of nuance there's a little bit of seriousness I think you've done it really you you sort of balanced it
2: out very well how did you do that especially because it's your debut debut well yes uh, you know because my husband had also I'd always wanted to write and he had been saying you should write about you know your experiences I got the documentary on the Ganga and he and, you know, very factual, etc. And I said, you know, I thought, no, I want to write something, as you said, more accessible. Because uh, I think what I've realized in working with Bollywood and having them come in and work on, you know, environment issues and campaigns is how through that veneer of Bollywood, you know, you can draw in more people and uh, and they can learn something. And, and, and whereas, you know, so these books, if you write, if it was just a sheer issue-based book about what I've seen as a journalist, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it might not be interesting for everyone. Those who want to know about it would read it and they would love to, you know, then, and, and but they're already, you know, converted in the sense they're already uh, people who care about the cause. And uh, so I thought if I, if I do what I've learned in my years of, uh, you know, doing campaigns, et cetera, is like, you know, mix it up and make a little masala and, you know, then you get the chance to put across uh, what the messaging that you want, especially I think after the, you know, there was the experience regarding the T24 in Ranthambore, then there was this other tigress Avni in Maharashtra who became another rallying point for many people it was again, you know, so I wanted to put those points across, but put it in a, in a more fun way so people understand and, and it, it's a bit of drama and um, at the same time you take away that message. And, you know, because during my experiences with this, I realized uh, how strongly people are very, as I said, I love that they love tigers so much. And they're so passionate, even during the Avni episode, she was, you know, she was a tigress who was living in this scrub forest outside of a protected area. And she started killing these poor people. She had cubs and uh, 13 people she killed and I know for a fact because I've spoken to you know people on the ground and they, all the evidence was there but people were in complete denial they I like, do no, know these poor people want compensation they're making it up and all that and again it took a long time to finally kill her she was killed it was sad but it had to be done because I mean I'm not willing to lose you know my relatives so how can I expect you know poor person to be all willing to lose people in their family so I just wanted to bring that across without being too preachy and Mm -hmm. just hope that so the next time when people read an incident of man-animal conflict or something they'll think twice, they'll think, okay, they'll try to think of like the person, like, you know, from the point of view of the villagers of the forest department who live around there, all the effort that goes into it. So just, you know, it's not about that one tiger that becomes, we name it and make it into this big, you know, star and lovable thing, but it's, it's the whole conservation story holistically and all the other animals, you know. So now, if they did away with Avni, you know, next time the the villagers in that area will not be maybe so hostile to another large animal, big cat coming in there, as long as it doesn't start killing them. Oh. But so yes, yeah, so that that was my idea behind it because there are a lot of books that come out which are you know f- more factual and it's more like reportage and etc. But I thought a little bit of masala, a little bit of Bollywood would <laughs> make it more interesting for people. And as I said, get. This, what I want, the point that I'm trying to make across to
0: people. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of another book that I really, really loved. Uh, it's called What's Left of the Jungle by Nitin Sekhar. And it's a nonfiction book. But he, what he does is he shows us, you know, this human wildlife conflict through the eyes of a villager. So we really understand, you know, the day-to-day lives of this person, his emotions, his family. Um, and, you know, as you said, the nuances, because... Obviously, you know, these people are so dependent on the forest, uh, but they, and they also love, you know, they, they genuinely love the animals, um, you know, and, so and the larger structures at play when it comes to conservation. So that's what he did really, really well as well. Um, and speaking of reading recommendations, uh, I really liked how both of the books, you know, presented issues to us in a very nuanced way. And in a way that makes you think both books, you know, raise a lot of questions and they're also entertaining. There's a thread and you know, there's a, there's a character and you're taking along a journey. So what other books have you come across both of you that, that do this really well, that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, the most recent book that
3: I read, uh, that's a bit, I mean, quite different from our topics, but is, uh, have you heard of this book that just came out called The List? Uh, it's by this, a uh, writer called yomi adepo uh, y o m i yomi and it's and it's about this whole me too movement uh, that you know and she's a writer from london and uh, this book was it's a, it's quite a fat read but it's like very plot heavy and very like intense and it kind of questions the whole morality and ideas of what the me too movement did and also um, how so many unfair practices were also created during this time and how many people were damaged irrevocably for very misunderstood uh, parts of it. And I thought it was done very compassionately uh, in a very human form uh, with characters that I think most people could relate to because most characters and most people we know all have our gray areas and are those gray areas enough to push us into a villain category? Uh, So that's one
2: book that I definitely would recommend. I really enjoyed the, the list. I think, uh, well, growing up, I read a lot of Gerald Durrell and James Harriet. And, you know, so it's all about uh, animals and wildlife. And Harriet was more about him being a vet in this very rural American uh, place. And so all, so, all that I think is something that also sparked a lot of my interest in uh, wildlife and, uh, you know, conservation, especially. Uh, I mean, his books were really, really good. I, I you know, something that I think every all kids should read. So yeah, that's something that sparked right.
0: my. Okay, so Ria, we already know what you're writing about next, which I cannot wait to read. Uh, I'm sure it'll be just as fabulous as the first two, and I the topic hope. also. Yeah, I can't wait to. And you know, when when you said about you know you being really optimistic and then writing that dark stuff. Uh yeah. I found that like so interesting because every time sort of we met or interacted, we have such a sort of bubbly personality and then yeah. <laughs> that juxtaposition I think is very fascinating. Yeah. Um, and Gargi, you know, uh, congratulations on the book and the way that it's being received. So what what are you writing next?
2: So I have been considering uh, you know, another you know, Sunena and further adventures and maybe if since people have liked you know this whole thing of taking them on this journey wildlife Mm -hmm. journey maybe something you know in another part of the country and another sort of adventure over there Mm -hmm. Uh, so Jaya and Sunaina on another adventure some other part of the country and I've also been thinking I mean maybe uh, one of the books I would like to write is about the media and you know what I've seen of the media from inside and Mm -hmm. things have changed i mean i've been in it for 20 years i joined uh, ndtv when it was star news and then it became NDTV seven under the roys and today we're under adani and you know lots of changes that i've seen and how the news is and how it's evolved and as we said social media as well and trolling Mm -hmm. etc maybe something around that oh
1: can't wait i think that'd be amazing yeah, I'm yeah. very curious to see because I actually began my career in media working for a newspaper. So I'm just very interested in that. And I'm so happy that you're thinking of a sequel, Lergi, because I've not had enough of Sunaina and Jaya. And that's so one happy. thing that I, I, that I loved in the book, which, you know, I forgot to mention, which is a female friendship, right? Just like Millie, uh, Millie and Kaya, I think over here it's Sunaina and Jaya. Um, Anyway, I think we can go on and on because your books are so lovely. Uh, But this brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for taking out the time and for writing such interesting topical books, which not only made me think, but which also sort of, you know, made time fly. Like I didn't even know how time flew by. So thank you. Thank Thank
3: you. And thank you for having us and to do this work so consistently uh, what Tara and Michelle have been able to accomplish here with books and beyond and just is so amazing and so needed uh, in South Asia. Thank you.
0: Really, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. So here we are. We're at the end of yet another journey into the many worlds of Books and Beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta.
1: And this podcast is created by Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Find us at Bound India on all social media platforms.
0: So tune in every Wednesday if you live, eat and breathe books. And join us as we discover more revolutionary books, and peek into the lives and minds of some truly brilliant authors from India and South Asia. And don't forget
1: to keep your love for stories alive for books and beyond.